Well, welcome to the Black Madonna Speaks with me, your host, Stephanie Georgia. Thank you so much for spending your valuable time with me. And before we get started, I want to give a special shout out to my wonderful Patreon supporters. Your multi-leveled support means the world to me, and this podcast would not be possible without you. Thanks also to all who subscribe, like, and share. And for those who reach out to me, I really enjoy the individuals who follow The Black Madonna Speaks. You are all quite extraordinary human beings who make our current times interesting, creative, and each one of you helps to contribute your gifts to the benefit of us all. A brief announcement regarding the In Search of Sacred Origins, the Golden Heart of Africa trip with Sophia Surfaces, and this uh, will be under the leadership of Sarnia Guiton. We are all set to begin the trip on the 12th of September, 2023. I'm also pleased to announce I will be giving a series of talks in Johannesburg, South Africa, for the Christian community of Johannesburg at the Church of Lazarus. I will also be addressing the Anthroposophical Society of Johannesburg. These talks will all happen between September 8th through 10th, so stay tuned for specific details. You can also follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for more details. For those of you who would like to receive the materials from all the talks in South Africa, as well as the In Search of Sacred Origins trip, which will take place in Namibia, you can receive everything from both South Africa and Namibia for a one-time donation of $100 to my PayPal account listed in the program notes. For those of you who cringe at the notion of PayPal, no worries, they take credit cards if you do not have a PayPal account. This offer will be available until September 15th, 2023. And for those of you who want to receive these, you will receive the materials after they are presented during the tour. For this episode, I am so pleased to interview Dr. Brooke Laufer from Illinois. She is one of my amazing listeners and reached out to me with a wonderful question from her most recent trip to Switzerland, where she gave a lecture to the Jungian Society there. Dr. Laufer discovered a Black Madonna on her journeys in Germany. She is a licensed clinical psychologist providing therapy, family counseling, teaching, and consultation, and has done this for over 15 years. Dr. Laufer graduated from the University of Wisconsin at Madison, earning a bachelor's with honors in the disciplines of political philosophy and women's studies. Dr. Laufer earned both a master's and a doctorate in clinical psychology from the California Institute of Integral Studies, where her doctoral research focused on the treatment of schizophrenia. She's been interested in many things, and her specialties and expertise in her practice and her research and writing and lecturing is on infant loss, postpartum depression, postpartum psychosis, addiction, suicide, filicide, domestic violence and intimate partner violence, perinatal and reproductive psychology, 
postpartum anxiety, depression in pregnancy, and PTSD. So we can see Dr. Lauford is probably in great demand during these very interesting and challenging times that we're living through. She's been fascinated with the Black Madonna as well as Mary Magdalene and has a really delightful Instagram featuring both. Dr. Laufer is a wonderful example of how the Black Madonna influences and inspires people from all walks of life. So welcome, Brooke, welcome. I'm so happy to be here. This is wonderful invitation and so synchronistic that we got in touch it really is it really is so i gave our listeners a little bit of your uh, amazing biography but i'm really curious why did you choose to become a jungian psychologist well i think I mean, originally way, way back is I, even as a child, I always remembered my dreams. So I just always had that extra sort of consciousness towards something else that was happening. And my brother and I were really close growing up together, just 18 months apart. And so we then started to share dreams and ideas of precognition and premonition and yeah so we started really exploring sort of the other the ideas of the other side um pretty young like middle school and then high school and then i guess fast forward when i was uh after college actually i was traveling in europe and my brother was sort of flailing around as you do in you know you're like late teens or 20s and he had a psychotic break oh wow yeah so he was actually hospitalized and then diagnosed with schizophrenia oh wow and my whole life course changed like i thought i was maybe going to be a poet or i mean certainly i was going to do like feminist theory somewhere But um, I applied to the California Institute of Integral Studies. Mm-hmm. It was the only place I applied to. And I was like, I'm going to be a psychologist Good. and I'm going to solve schizophrenia. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> we need that, actually. <laughs> like the wildest, lofty, mixed with codependent, like yeah. savior complex, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when I got there, I really used Jung's theories on psychosis. Mm -hmm. Like that's what I was drawn to. That's what I believed that this was just a waking dream. Mm -hmm. That psychosis was the unconscious breaking through into consciousness in this unmitigated, unfiltered way. And it was actually meant sort of like dreams are, it's like a drive for healing, like part of individuation. And there was this Jungian analyst, John Weir Perry, out in San Francisco, who spearheaded a lot of that theory. Um, And then I had my first Jungian analyst. Mm. And she was wonderful. And so I was doing dream work in sand tray. And, you know, I just kept going, basically. The rest is history. The rest is history, yeah. Now, I think, obviously, your background, especially with your brother, uh, 
has um, helped you focus uh, your practice, but can you tell us about your practice? You know, how you, you have some definite specialties and expertise. I do, I do. So for a long time, I thought my specialty would be schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. But luckily, I sort of healed from that codependence and right. uh, trying to save him, which of course is what ultimately helped him, right. you know, when I would separate from him. Right. Um, <clears throat> I became a mother and I had this very intense postpartum obsessive compulsive mm -hmm. episode mm -hmm. where I was having these intrusive thoughts of harming my baby. Mm -hmm. And it was just wildly terrifying yeah. and luckily i had a great psychiatrist at the time and i called him and he answered his phone wow. and he was like you're having postpartum ocd you need to read karen klein you need to do this and up your meds and and it was so normalizing and and so helpful but also it was still just so shocking that this could happen. And I was a psychologist and I hadn't really heard of it. Right, right. So I just dove in and I got more training, did more research, took more classes in perinatal mm. mental health mm. and started seeing a lot of new moms right. who were going through lots of anxiety and depression. Oh. Yeah. And not ad admitting it to right. their friends, like not talking about how they weren't bonding with their babies or they weren't feeling good as a mom and they really just wanted to go back to work right away. Right. Or... right. Yeah, it's interesting to me how the women's movement, you know, when I was young, I always thought that the women's movement was about make, making it easier for women to make choices. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> it doesn't seem like that has totally happened. It's like, yeah. if you want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's awesome. Do it. If you don't want to be a stay-at-home mom, that's also awesome. And do it. Mm -hmm. And it, it's very interesting to me how this culture is still making, giving women cause to not feel like they have choices. <laughs> it's interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, the, 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 exaltation of the mother right. right it's 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 impossible to escape in the west and so that's a lot of what i do now but what i so what ended up happening is there was a woman from my hometown mm -hmm. who in 2014 she ended the life of her 14 month old mm. she had postpartum psychosis yeah mm -hmm. and i knew her you know, and I, so I actually started writing her letters in prison mm -hmm. and I got to know her story and got closer with her family. Mm -hmm. And then I started getting more training in postpartum psychosis and infanticide. Mm -hmm. um, I did some training in expert witness work. And then I started taking these forensic cases wow. of crimes committed mm -hmm. in the postpartum period. Mm -hmm. So still motherhood is at like the heart of it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and the wounded mother, mm -hmm. but in sort of its most uh, fatal form. Wow. wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Now, you just recently gave a lecture in Switzerland. Can you tell us about the talk and why you felt it was important to have that talk? Yes. So the the Jungian analytic mm-hmm. frame that I have, mm-hmm. I apply then to this infanticidal mother. Ah. And there is this um, Marie-Louise von Franz and some uh, Jungians have already called this the death mother archetype. Okay. So that's what I spoke on mm-hmm. at the Young Conference in Zurich. Mm. So the death mother archetype sort of anchored in the archetypal image of Medea, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who killed her sons in, in Euripides' Greek myth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that an archetype is really like a dynamic or energy. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, the fury and the entrapment and mm-hmm. the despair of the mother. Mm-hmm and sort of following that into contemporary motherhood mm-hmm. and what we've done to motherhood and yeah. why certain dark tendencies of mother get suppressed mm-hmm. and how they're then forced to erupt in these dramatic ways like infanticide yeah, yeah. wow that's a that's a light topic <laughs> 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 I know. I, I'm sure I'm on the plane over, you're listening. So, what's your talk about? <laughs> like, well, that's <laughs> my kids. What I do? <laughs> does that help no. them? Does that help them behave? <laughs> yes. I yes. understand the dark mother. <laughs> yeah. Eat your vegetables. <laughs> my are. Yeah. That's funny. It's, I mean, obviously, it's a very serious and important subject because as you're talking, I was thinking of this picture, particularly of um, Kate Middleton, you know, hours after giving birth, and she's fully coiffed and smiling and heels and holding her baby. And I remember there was this whole cycle of Instagram where all these women were posting themselves after they gave birth, you know, and their eyes are all swollen shut. Yeah. <laughs> and it, cause it's just like, what? Like right. how? Right. Yeah. So it's That's, definitely. Yeah. A big part of what gets suppressed actually is the body, mm-hmm. the maternal body. Yes. You know, the fluids, the blood, <clears throat> the bloating, mm-hmm. the the pain, the anguish, the the uh, unseemliness, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember way back, well, I'm certainly dating myself, this was a, um, a book by Gloria Steinem, and it was a whole bunch of her essays, and she said she was sitting in a sauna with a bunch of other women, and they all had these different scars on their bodies from giving birth and how they're not viewed with awe and reverence. They're things Mm -hmm. that people want to hide. And it's Mm -hmm. like, but this is how babies are born. And this is what your body looks like after you have a baby. And it's not something. And it, you know, I'm from Southern California. And, you know, everybody's getting, they get their post-baby plastic surgery, you know, where they get the breast lift and the tummy tuck and the this and the that. And I'm like, wow, ew. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I know. it's not healthy. No, it's not. 
Wow. Well, I'm glad you're doing your work. I think what you do is amazing. So what is your experience with the Black Madonna? I think my very first experience was like a garage sale in San Francisco where I picked up, you know, a statue, like wooden statue of the Black Madonna. Uh Um, Just unknowingly, just thought she was cool. Just was drawn to it. Uh And... I think then the next time it really came into consciousness was reading Marion Woodman, Mm, who is an analyst, Mm. Canadian, Mm. now past, but she wrote a book called Dancing in the Flames, Mm. and it's all about female consciousness. And Mm. she had noticed that there were Black female figures in a lot of her analysis dreams. And was interpreting those as, you know, what we were just talking about, like recovering the dark feminine and Mm. um, bringing wholeness to women. Mm. And my analyst and I discuss some of those black figures in my dreams too. Mm. Like lots of, yeah, um, sort of burgeoning like awareness about this while I was reading Marion and having Mm my own dreams. And then I started doing this work with the death mother archetype Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and was reading, you know, about archetypal images and a lot about the Virgin Mary and Mm -hmm. Madonna, a counterpoint, Mm -hmm. and then just went into the rabbit hole of, you know, Black Madonna as Isis and Mary Magdalene and Mm -hmm. Sybil and Mm -hmm. Sarah and Mm -hmm. all these my now heroes. I call it the never ending story. It is never ending. There's so many threads from this image and I find them all healing. Definitely. Yes. Yes. So obviously you were working with your therapist on this, but how does the black Madonna influence your therapeutic approach to your clients? Mm. Well, I think, she's so important for embracing the whole feminine and the great like Jung would say or Eric Neumann would say that the great mother Mm -hmm. and the great mother includes the terrible and the bad mother Mm -hmm. and it's just because she's set in the frame of Madonna Mm -hmm. so the the pious immaculate Mm -hmm. Virgin Mary but she's black and her blackness is so important. Mm-hmm. So it it holds the tension of both of those sides. Mm-hmm. Symbol mm-hmm. that's immediately feminine and for some and recognizable. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I and I think that. that that is so important. So I use it. I definitely use it in my writing and my work when I talk about the death mother archetype and sort mm-hmm. of a a solution or like a contribution, like I'll end my talk mm-hmm. with images of the Black Madonna. Mm-hmm. And in my work with moms who are in harrowing, you know, situations mm-hmm. of um, depression or ambivalence, I'll offer her a, again as a frame of like, we don't have to just have positive feelings. Right. Right. Like we are also not only negative, but earthy and sexual and mm-hmm. not mothers mm-hmm. um full of agency and 
passion. Mm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Now, does Jung have an approach to the Black Madonna? I'm not as well read in Jung as obviously you are. So does he have a any he type of... wasn't, he, I mean, he certainly talked about mother and he definitely talked about uh, Mary okay. and he used like the whore of Babylon for, as a dark mother. Um, mm-hmm. But really, I think in Jungian texts, you're going to find it most with Marianne Woodman. Okay. And her work, um, if you haven't read it, The Dancing in the Flames is, yeah. oh my gosh, you would love it. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah, she's, she's on that list of things to read. And most people say, I can't believe you haven't read her. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I've read all these books. <laughs> but it is interesting, especially now, you know, some of these feminist classics, um, it's very, it's very wonderful, but also very sobering to read them and go, wow, this was written like 50 years ago, you know, 40 years ago. And this is so current. It's like mm-hmm. really current. It's mm-hmm. really interesting. Mm-hmm. Now you reached out to me when you weren't so far away, you were in Germany and Switzerland and you were really moved uh, by an experience there. Can you share that with us? Yes. Yes. So this story is full of synchronicities that are personal and I won't bore you with all of them. But I was in this small town in the Black Forest Mm -hmm. in Germany. Mm -hmm. And I had been roaming around a monastery and then visiting an old castle there that I had this connection to. Mm -hmm. Um, But part of a a church that was part of one of the monasteries called St. Aurelius had a black Madonna in it. And I was like, oh, I gotta see this, Mm -hmm. you know? This is amazing, this is here. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to this church like a couple times and it was closed. Like the hours were so off and, you know, like it's not gonna work and I had to try, I had to leave. But I noticed one of the days that the back door was (laughs) ajar. That's so great, (laughs) it's so awesome. And I I snuck in. I went in and it was totally dark in there, except there were some candles lit. I think there's always, you know, the, the tiny tea lights that are always right. going. And and then I heard this like kind of crashing noise, not a full crash, but there was a painter doing some work. Oh, ooh. Which is why the door was open. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So this this guy, you know, who only spoke German and, and I was just like, hi. And he's like, hi. And he just sort of let me be. Oh, great. I know. I know. So I went and I lit a candle and I, I donated a whole bunch of money oh. into the, and I saw the Andalusian black Madonna. So there was a wooden black Madonna in the front that is, um, you know, I can't describe her. I mean, just it's it's a, not a feminine looking black Madonna. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a weathered wooden, mm-hmm. and, and hard to say if it's even black, mm-hmm. right? I don't know. It's like a dark wood. Mm-hmm. And I took a picture, and I was looking around, and then set into the wall, like off to the side, was this really dark black, almost shiny black. Um, heavy statue mm-hmm. that was sort of an abstract mm-hmm. of 
uh, you know, a mother with a child on her lap. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my gosh, this must be the Black Madonna. Uh, this is really black. <laughs> yeah, it's really black. Exactly. And it felt, you know, more off to the side, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I caught a photo of her and then I ran out of there. And then I sent that photo to you and I was like, who is this? What is this? Yeah. Yeah. And um, you have this amazing face or Instagram where you've posted this image on your Instagram so people can see it. It's really beautiful. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's so interesting. They call them Schwarze Madonna. In, right. in the German countries. And it's it's always interesting, especially in a, a lot of the Germanic countries, the Black Madonna during the Middle Ages was a, as a hot ticket for pilgrimages. And pilgrimages brought pilgrims and it brought funds. But there's mm-hmm. such a deep devotion that people have to these images that I've never noticed to other images. I've just never noticed it. And I'm sure there's a beautiful story behind this. You've definitely sparked my interest, definitely. Yeah. And I've done a little more digging, you know, since the last time you and I had emailed about it, mm-hmm. um, like the Board of Tourism there. And yes, yes. They had some answers but it, it seemed mixed again i was like wait there because there's two right. madonna in there right so they're like well that's maria and and baby from andalusia and mm-hmm. i was like but what about this other one right and then they said sort of mimicking what you had said that it looks more modern mm-hmm. um that there was a sculptor in the 1950s auto hijack Oh, wow. German, uh-huh. who was commissioned to do some works for some churches mm-hmm. around that time. Mm-hmm. So it could be one of his. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. It's like you said, it's the never-ending story. A lot of times you can get great information, but you have to talk to the people in charge of the church. So you have to... And it's like, yes, we're open from 11 to 11.30 on Tuesdays, you know. Exactly. (laughs) You're like, really? I know. I know. And and the language barrier and, you know, but I'm I'm pursuing. There's like this one other woman actually out in California, Uh Ella Rosette. Ella Rosette, yes. Yeah, she's she's the person behind the Interfaith Mary website, and she has the whole um, Black Madonna gallery. She's amazing. She's amazing. amazing. In fact, I I keep meaning to reach out to her. We had a very interesting connection. Uh, it was in twenty it was in twenty nineteen, and I was traveling, and I was in the Santa Rosa area. And one of the people that I was visiting said, oh, you need to meet this woman. And mm-hmm. I, it didn't connect to me the name. And he told me about her. And I met her at this beautiful little church mm-hmm. in Forestville, I think is where the church was. And she gave me her card. And I said, oh, this is the Black Madonna of Lapui. And she goes, 
you know your black Madonnas. I go, yes. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, you're the person. You're her. <laughs> She's lovely. Yeah, she yeah. would be a great person to connect to see about that because she is German. So Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm waiting. I told her a little bit of the story and she had never heard of the church. She had never... So I was like, well, if you can find out anything, like, I'd love to know. So now I'm just waiting. To How see exciting. How exciting. Yeah. yeah. So why do you think the Black Madonna is so, such an important symbol for our times? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, sort of a summary of all what I was saying earlier. But but not only for women and mothers, I mean, recovering the dark feminine in particular for men, mm -hmm. for adolescents, mm -hmm. you know, that there are these more uncomfortable, chthonic, uh, primordial, earthy, maybe scary parts mm -hmm. of the feminine mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that we want to embrace. Yeah that we don't want to avoid or suppress mm -hmm. or or Botox away exactly. or transition out of, mm -hmm. you know, or block the puberty of. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really, yeah, want to see like the full mother and the full woman mm -hmm. really like a, a wider range accepted of her. Right. And so, I just feel like the Black Madonna has, like, symbolically, like, as an archetypal image, especially because the energy of her as an archetype travels through Inanna, Isis, right. you know, other, um, even Medea, these mm -hmm. other women mm -hmm. were foreigners who were dark, um, that we need her. Yeah, yeah. I find, I find it such a healing image. It's such a healing image. And as you have noticed, if you've gone to these different shrines, the, the devotion to these images is unmatched <laughs> with other yeah. images. I don't see this kind of devotion. And it's interesting, particularly in the Germanic countries, they a uh, lot of these images were taken away because the Napoleonic soldiers wanted to burn them. And they would say, well, since we took her away, let's give her, you know, a facelift or an update. And they paint right. them white and the people re revolt. They're like, what What have you done? What have you done? And uh, in Einsiedelm, they painted her ebony. It's like, is this okay? You know, <laughs> we're going to keep her really dark this time. And um, in Chantra, right. they painted the Black Madonna there white. And I'm just so upset about that. And I'm curious, I'm curious if they're ever going to paint her black because it's been a, pretty much of a universal condemnation mm. of that. But, mm. Well, when I was in Einzelen and I was, I stayed at this little hotel across from the Abbey where the Black Madonna is. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the owner, this woman of the hotel, she was like, why are you here? And we were chatting and she was like, oh, I hardly ever go in there. You know, I just, yeah, people come through and they go in there and, and I'm like, well, it's, 
it, it's interesting, like the, the devotion, like you said, and I, and I had been in there and there was, I mean, the, the priest had come in and just done this like monologuing prayer in German on his knees. And there was a group of people and I, I joined them for a while. And then I was like, wow, I mean, I got to go to dinner. Like yes. I mean, <laughs> my devotion no... does not pass seven. <laughs> it, was, it was so, and it, it was so sacred and solemn and yeah. beautiful, you know, the devotion on yeah. his knees in front of the black Madonna, this tall white German man Aww. or Swiss man. But she was like, well, isn't the, the hotel owner, isn't it just black because of the ashes? And it's just old. And I was like, well, I don't think. And then they tried to, you know, make her white, but people wanted her to be black. Exactly. And then that, you know, was sort of beyond this woman. Like she yeah. was onto the next topic. Ah, yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Did, were you there when they sang to the Madonna? They sing every day at four o'clock, the Salve Regina. Did you get to hear that? It wasn't a song. It was more like a, a chant. A, yeah, a chant, a mm -hmm. prayer, and a call and response. Oh, that's interesting. That's like interesting. he would, yeah, recite, and then the group would recite it back. Oh, that's so lovely. That's I know. So lovely. It was. How wonderful. Yeah, I was lucky to be there. Yeah. So when are you coming back? Yeah. <laughs> I want to be back. I, maybe I'll be back in 2025 because there will be another conference. And, All right. Well, yeah. we'll definitely look at some more when you come back. Yeah. Now, you have many ways of people following you. I just signed up for your newsletter. So do you want to tell people how they can follow you and see what you're yeah, doing in the world? I have a website, mm -hmm. you know, just Google my name. Um, yeah, and I'm on Instagram and sort of hardly on Twitter, but I'm on there sometimes. And Facebook, I'm on Facebook a little bit. Yeah, and I'm always just so happy to hear people's stories. I love talking to people about this stuff. I love talking to women about motherhood. Mm -hmm. um, when I do class, I do like talks and inevitably we end up talking about like the, the real mm -hmm. underbelly of motherhood and, you know, women really need spaces for that. Yeah. I think that's what, especially I would say in the West, we really miss by the generations living separate from each other yeah, and um they're you know people and a lot of times when they're talking women are comparing horrible birth stories instead of the full spectrum because there are horrible birth stories and there are wonderful birth stories and um you know you know and and my listeners know i've been privileged to live with um, ukrainian refugees for the past year and one of the young women she just had a birthday and i asked her mother so what was her birth like what was it like to have this person and it was such a beautiful con conversation you know where we were sharing this really primal female experience yeah 
you know, with Google Translate, broken English and broken Russian, but we still got this amazing discussion going. And then the young woman started talking about her birth experience with her daughter. Mm. And it just, it was interesting. It was just so, it was so, and for me, those stories, and I'm sure you experience this in your practice and when you speak publicly, we have these universal experiences that I think humanize us. And I, I think if we shared them more, we would not be so antagonistic towards people that we think are different. Um, right. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I mean, that and the capacity to mother, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, the universal, I mean, it's, it's such like an ancient, it's in our collective unconscious. Mm -hmm. It's generations and generations back for women. It's something that's passed down, mm -hmm. something initiated into, it's anachronistic, you know, it's, yeah. it's really such a primordial thing that it does, it, it's, it creates an equal playing level. It does. It grounds us together. Yeah. yeah. I used to work in a midwifery clinic and that was probably my most joyful work was companioning mm. women through their pregnancy. And, um, but it is, it is interesting. I was also working when I was in San Francisco, I worked with an acupuncturist that worked with infertility and a lot of these women, not a lot, all of them were high powered career people that decided when they were in their mid forties, they wanted to have a child. And it's like, well, your body doesn't always cooperate. And they did all these amazing things to have children. And they usually had multiples, you know, which are stressful to young women. And it was always interesting to me when these women came in for their postpartum checks. And I would, I would say, well, how are you doing? And a lot of them would just burst out in tears yeah, because they had spent tons of money and everything you could possibly imagine to have these children and they mm. arrive and oh my gosh. Right. It's, right. it's a big deal. So it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And they're holding in those tears because they don't think they're allowed them right. or they're supposed to have them. Right. And so that's part of what I feel like my work is to break open the expectations, like expect right. to be destroyed. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, expect to feel flattened yeah. and despairing. Right. And then you will find support. Right. You will crawl to the, the places and the homes and the people that can care for you. Mm -hmm. But hardly any of us escape that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. It is very important to acknowledge those. Wow. Well, as we normally say in our few conversations, we could certainly talk for hours and hours. And I hope to do that yeah. in person with you at some point in the future. But it, is there anything I haven't asked you that you would like our listeners to know? I don't think so. I think you deserve a lot of accolades oh, and I just you. appreciate you, <laughs> you and this work you're doing. You're sort of holding the torch for the Black Madonna yeah. and collecting these stories. I just, 
in, in such admiration yeah. of you. You. Well, I'm in very good company, both with you and with many other people. To me, it's really lovely how this archetype and this image and this symbol has really come to the forefront. When I first started my personal journey, it was in the early 2000s, and it was really difficult to find information at that point. Yeah, that there was... There was basically the University of Dayton, Ohio, Marion Library webpage because the internet was kind of new at that point. There wasn't, I mean, I don't even think Wikipedia was in existence at that time, or maybe it just started. But there was not a whole lot of information. And now I think because of what you are talking about, and I also find it a very healing image uh, for the races <laughs> to, yes. for women, you know, that are not, you know, Caucasian, uh, mm. people who are not Caucasian to see divinity presented as dark is hugely yeah. healing. It's so healing. And it's also healing to people who are Caucasian to see yeah. divinity as a dark image. This is, you know, cause usually the dark and black is considered negative and it's not negative it's it's what it is yeah all right well yeah. i can't thank you enough for your time thank and... you website that's really informative and you can also follow her on Instagram uh, under the same name Brooke Laufer and it's the Black Madonna as Mary Magdalene and Isis and she also has a Facebook page uh, Brooke Laufer PhD and Associates and there's always really great information there and you can sign up for her uh, email list and keep abreast. She's uh, written all kinds of articles and she's working on a book uh, on the modern Medea. So I certainly am looking forward to that. And again, in our last minutes together, I want to thank once again my wonderful Patreon supporters and also those of you who are one-time donors and those of you who subscribe, like, and share to this podcast. It really does make a difference. And again, look at the link in the program notes if you would like to receive all the materials from the In Search of Sacred Origins in Africa, all the transcripts of the talks, recordings, etc for a $100 donation to my PayPal. So this is Stephanie Georgiev saying thanks again for spending your valuable time with me. And until next time, I wish you many, many, many blessings on your journey.